All right, fellas, let's get rolling. First John chapter 2 and verse number 12. The Bible says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I've written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Let's pray. Lord, thank for today. Thank for these guys being here. Lord, I'm humbled with the opportunity to open your word, and God, we want to help these young men. But God, ultimately, we can't, but we know that you can, and that you will use your word to do it. God, help us all to, um, God, uh, learn what it's saying, but submit to what it's saying, and to use it in our lives. God, help this for all of us not to just be something we hear, and God, we leave here, but God, help us to take it with us in our thoughts, God, in our words, in our actions, and God, how we react to things this week. And God, help us to implement it into our lives everywhere we go, if that's school, if that's work, if that's our neighborhood, and all the different places we go. Lord, help these things to help us. And God, I pray that you would just press it to each one's heart. Um, and God, give us what we need from it. God, please open your treasures, the treasures of your word to us. Help us to understand it. Help our lives to reflect the change that you've made in us. And God, help us to uh, hear your voice through the preaching. God, that's what we need. These guys don't need to hear anything from me, and I know that. But God, we all desperately need to hear from you today. And God, I pray you would tune us in on that. And God, make us more like you as a result. Help us to love you more. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you guys for standing. Appreciate that. So guys, 1 John is a very interesting book. Um, guys, just so you know, if you ever struggle, which a lot of people do, with the assurance of your salvation... I would suggest a great place to go to is 1 John. It's a short book, only five chapters. But what 1 John is about is this. It's signs to show whether you're in the family. In the family of God is what I'm referring to. Guys, that's vital. You've got to know whether you're in the family or not. You've got to know whether you're in or not. And guys, a lot of people get a misconception about it. A lot of people think that, well, aren't isn't everyone a child of God? No, they're not. From God's viewpoint, there's... Two groups of people, two families of people in the world, you could say. Um, children of God, and then if you're not a child of God, you're a child of Satan. John 8, 44 talks about that. It says, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So there's only two families in the entire world in God's, from God's perspective. So every one of us is in one or the other. Either you're a child of God or a child of the devil. And people think, but no, 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 everybody's a child of God. We're all creations of God. But we're not children of God until you get saved, all right? Um, and there's a lot we could go into with that. When you prayed to get saved, guys, that's when you were transferred, okay? You were taken out of the family of Satan and put into the family of God. The Bible talks about John 5, 24. Um, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You have that right now. Shall not come into condemnation. You'll never go to hell. But you've passed. You've been transferred from death unto life. That's a one-time thing. It cannot be reversed. It cannot be annulled in any way. The Bible says, in whom we have a redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And it talks about in that same passage, Colossians chapter 1, that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And the Bible says now in Ephesians, for you are once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. And then it challenges us, walk as children of light. Guys, we belong to God. We're in his family. So what are we supposed to do now? We're supposed to live in a way that demonstrates that day in and day out. You've been transferred to the family of God. And what a privilege that is. 
1 John 3, 1, it talks about, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Guys, do you realize what a high honor, what a huge privilege it is for you to be called a child of God, for you to know that, for you to have that in your possession? And guys, as we said, 1 John is all about signs to show whether you're in the family or not. It gives a lot of tests. It runs a lot of tests. Um, whether you're a true Christian or not. So it's good to get into it, as I said. If you're not sure, if you're saved, to find out. But guys, in this passage that we're dealing with directly, verses 12 through 14, he addresses three different groups of people. Little children, fathers, and young men. And he cycles through twice. If you read those verses, you're like, hold on, what is going on here? Because he keeps going through the same things, it seems like. But I think there's a lot we can learn from. So I said, First John is about what? It's signs to show whether we're in the family or not, right? You got to know that, guys. You got to get that settled in your life. But this passage, and this is the message today, is this. I want to preach to you about this thought. Growth in the family. Growth in the family. Hey, guys, if you're saved, you're in God's family. You're not going to slip out. That cannot be revoked. That cannot be taken away. That cannot be stolen away from you in any regard. But now that you're in the family, you know what you need to do? You need to grow in the family. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I hope it'll make sense as we go through. But guys, each one of us needs to go to the next level. Each one of us needs to develop. Listen, it's not a good thing. It's not a healthy thing if a child doesn't develop. If they stay at the same stage, that's a problem. Um, obviously, my wife and I had a son several months ago. There's stages of development. He's, he's growing. He's doing things now that a few months ago he couldn't do. He's developing. He's growing. He's maturing. Guys, and this is what this passage is talking about. Listen, before we even dive in, are you growing? Are you growing as a Christian? When's the last time you've grown? Maybe you have learned more. Maybe you're doing more. Maybe you're getting involved more. Maybe you're praying more. Maybe you're reaching out to more people. Guys, when's the last time you're growing? Listen, because you've heard the statement and so have I. But unless you're moving forward in the Christian life, what happens? You're moving back. Yep. You cannot stay where you are. You say, no, I got, the, I got the emergency break on. I'm good. You can't stay where you are. Either you're moving forward as a Christian or you're moving back. So, guys, we don't want to fall into this uh, rut of saying I'm good where I am because actually we're moving back. We're drifting back. And before I get into the points, I want to give you this. Guys, these are stages of development we're dealing with here uh, of God's children. These are not age groups, okay? These are not age groups. These are levels of growth. There's a difference. There's a difference. Guys, a person, here's, I need to nail this home and then we'll get into it. A person can be saved for a long time but not be growing. Yeah. Okay? A person, listen, a person can be saved for 30 years and still be a baby Christian. Right. A person can be saved for Jamal just a couple of years but be developing and be growing and be a spiritual young man or even be a spiritual father. So it's not how long you've been saved. You say, yeah, I've been long, saved a long time, man, about 10, 15 years. That's great. But that's not what I'm dealing with today. I'm talking about are you growing? Are you developing in your Christian life? So why do I bring this to you? So that you can find out where you are in your Christian life, but so that it can inspire you to step up and take the next step in your Christian life. All right, let's get into it. Growth in the family is what I'm dealing with today. And the first point is this. I want you to consider, first of all, the perspective of a child. The perspective of a child. Guys, this is verse 12, and then we'll touch also verse 13. So verse 12, the Bible says, I write unto you, 
little children because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. And then at the end of verse 13, it says, I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. All right, guys, the first stage of development, the first uh, uh, group of people that we're talking about in the family is the perspective of a child. It gives little children. Little children is mentioned two times here. Guys, and I think, listen, uh, I'm going to mention three different groups. None of these are bad necessarily, okay? So when I'm talking about the little children here, you don't have to look down on them and be like, come on, hurry up, all right? This is a vital stage. This is something that you need to get established and get settled, but we don't want you to stay there forever, okay? But the perspective of a child. Um, guys, I want to say, first of all, this is a very important step because you had to realize, first of all, that you were a sinner, that you needed help, right. okay? The Bible says... Those that are uh, whole need not a physician, but those that are sick. You have to realize that you're a sinner, that you need help, that you're sick, that you need healing. And those these people have done that, and then they responded to it. Like Jesus told Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to thee, ye must be born again. Some people we bring in and we preach to them and say, hey, you need to be saved. They think, me? I don't need to be saved. They're, they're stumbling over that. They think, I'm not that bad of a person. But listen, guys, salvation is for everyone. All of us need it, not just the worst of the worst or what have you. And these people have uh, called on the name of the Lord and they were saved. So they're little children. They're alive. They had that connection to their parents. And those are the two main ideas that we get from this. Verse number 12, it says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And then at the end of verse 13, because you have known the Father. Guys, first thing about the perspective of a child, this is the starting point for all of us. First thing, number one, uh, underneath this, their birth is a fact. Listen, they're saved and they know it. Hey guys, don't fall asleep on me today because this might be right where you are right now and you need to understand where you are and where you need to be going, okay? But their birth is a fact. They've been saved. They've been forgiven. They've been born again. They've been saved and they know that. Hey guys, do you know that? Are you still kind of wishy-washy on it? Are you, are you still kind of unsettled about it? It's good, yeah. Listen, you need to get that established and taken care of. Listen, um, you go over to the nursery and you see some of those kids in there. Listen, they don't know a lot. You know, I can pull out some, some complicated things in front of them. They're going to have no clue about it. But I guarantee you they know at least two things. Number one, they're alive. Number two, they know who their parents are. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what the passage is dealing with. Yeah. Their birth is a fact. Guys, are you saved and you know it? Do you remember a time when you bowed your head, you closed your eyes, you asked Jesus to save you for yourself, you meant that, and you have a basis, not on feeling, not on whether I have a good day or a bad day, not if I treat people well or I don't. We should do all those things, guys. But your basis for your salvation should be on what God says from his word, the fact, not your feelings. So their birth is a fact. They're saved and they know it. And at the end of verse 12, it says, your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Guys, it's not because of anything you did or that I did. It wasn't that we achieved something that other people couldn't. It wasn't that we reached some level that others didn't. We have our sins cleared, forgiven. Why were they forgiven? For Christ's suffering. It says for his namesake. Listen, the only reason you're forgiven or I'm forgiven for my sins is because of what Christ did on the cross for us. It's for his name's sake. Listen, you called on his name and you were saved because of what he accomplished for us 2,000 years ago. So our sins are cleared. It's because of Christ's suffering. And we give all credit to the Savior. The Bible says 
For by grace you say through faith, it, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. It's not by anything we've done. Hey guys, if you're saved in here today, that's an important step to get saved and to know it, to be assured of it. But guys, you don't walk around and be like, yeah, I remember when I was like them other people out in the world. Bless God. You know, glad I'm not like that anymore. Hey, listen, that's great, but you didn't do anything to change it. Yeah. The Lord did it. You just accepted what he did. Yeah. And guys, once you're saved, you are always saved. Listen, that is all throughout the Bible. It's hammered on. We hit it a lot, but a lot of people still struggle with it. John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Guys, once you get saved, you really meant that? You are always saved. Jesus said you'll never perish, meaning you will never, ever, ever spend one second in hell. And he says no one can pluck you out of his hand. When you get saved, it's like you're being placed in God's hand. Catch this, guys. You're being placed in God's hand, and no one can take you out of his hand. You can't take yourself out of his hand. No evil person can take you out of his hand. The person that hates you the most cannot take you out of his hand. The devil himself cannot take you out of his hand. Right. Your salvation is secure. You're not holding on to it. He's holding on to you. Right. Again, it's not whether you have a good day or bad day. We all have those. Some days are like, man, I'm doing good today. man. I'm giving out tracts. I'm praying. I read my Bible this morning. Boy, I'm hitting it. I'm on it. I'm feeling good. And then how about, how, uh, some of you could identify with this. It seems like, for me, I have a lot more bad days than good days. And I'm like, man, I'm not on it today. Good grief. I had a chance to get out of track, and I wimped out, yeah. right? I read my Bible, but, man, I don't know if I understood very much. I tried to pray, but I kept getting distracted, right? And we struggle. But it's not based off of whether you struggle or if you're really on it. It's based off of what he did for you and that you accepted that once and for all. Right. Their birth is a fact. Hey, guys, if you're alive in Christ, you need to know that. You need to have that settled in your life. In 1 John 5.13, it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Guys, do you know today that you have eternal life? It's good. Do you have that settled? Because if not, you're going to be back and forth. You're going to be up and down. You're going, to be, you're going to be one day, I think I am. The next day, oh, man, I know I'm not. And then back and forth, back and forth. Can I tell you, you will never make any progress in your Christian life. And we're not trying to beat you down. We're trying to teach you now to get that settled. Listen, I'll say this later, I'm sure. But if you say, well, I don't have that, would you please come and talk to us afterwards? We want to help you with that. We don't want you to be struggling at this level the rest of your life. We don't want you to be one of those people, like I said, you saved 30 years, but you're still a baby Christian. That's not God's plan. That's not what God wants from me or you. Okay? But the perspective of a child, his birth is a fact. Guys, for some of us that have been around a while, aren't you glad that you can think back on the day that you got born again? Mm. And that's settled and that's sure and that cannot be taken away from you. I'm thankful for that. Listen, a couple months back, I, I spoke at Brother Chad's church. He allowed me to, to preach there. And then as I was leaving out of there, about to come back, I'll be fast with this, but I passed the place where I got saved. Amen. And... Kevin, it was Sunday afternoon, you know, one o'clock, cars going by and all this. And they're actually doing some construction there. I'm like, man, they're going to change this thing all around, mess it up. But I, and guys, I'm not some holy whatever, but I actually went there and knelt down at the place that I think it is and prayed and just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you yeah. for changing my life. Guys, where would we be without salvation? Yeah. 
We'd be messed up. Our lives would be jacked up. Guys, where would you be? Where would I be? I don't know, but it scares me to even consider the thought, guys. Thank God for the day that you met him, that you got saved. And guys, for some of you, if that was just last week or if that was just a couple days ago, that's good. That's good. You're doing great, but grab a hold of that. Can I tell you, the devil's going to try to pull that assurance away from you. But again, we don't base it off feeling. We base it off God's truth, the fact. The perspective of a child. His birth is a fact, but also he knows that he belongs to the Father. At the end of verse 13, it says, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Guys, what is this talking about? It's talking about that he's aware of who his Father is. Guys, he knows he's saved. Listen, you talk to a baby Christian. Jamal, we could dive in. You know, you go up to a person that got saved on Roundup last week. Brother, what's your thought on eschatology? He's going to be like, Esca, what? No, I don't drive an Escalade. You know, I I, I got a Prius. You know, you're like, no, no. Eschatology is the study of the end times of the Bible, right? You bring up all these fancy words, he's going to be totally lost. He's not going to have a clue what you're talking about. But you say, so what has God done in your life? Well, I know he saved me. And he did it, not me. Guys, that's the basic. That's the baseline. But that's a good step. That's a needed step. Guys, have you taken care of that step? Are you here? When it's talking about little children, that your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake, has that happened? Do you know the Father? What I believe this is talking about is he's aware of the Father. Listen, again, you walk by the nursery. Listen, a lot of people can walk by the nursery. Listen, there's going to be a different reaction when the parent shows up, when that child sees the parent. That's my dad. That's my mom. Maybe they can't even verbalize that, but there's a different response, a different reaction. Why? Because they know. I belong to them. Hey, guys, in your Christian life, do you know who uh, uh, that you're saved? And do you know that God did it for you? Do you have that relationship with him? They know that God is their father. Jesus is their savior and they're saved. It reminds me of the blind man in John uh, John chapter nine. He says they're questioning him. Well, what did this man do? And what did he say? And is he a sinner or not? And all this stuff. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I I have no clue. He says, one thing I know that I used to be blind, now I see. That's all he has. He has the basics. If you were to say, can you preach a sermon on what exactly happened to you? He has no clue. But he says, I'll tell you one thing. I used to be blind, now I see. Guys, these people notice a change in their life. Have you noticed a change in your life? And they know that change wasn't produced off of anything that they did, but it was what God did to them. Do you know that? The perspective of a child. You say this is basic, yes, but it's important. This is baseline, yes, but it's important. Guys, have you done it? Do you have that settled, the perspective of a child? Point number two. So he talks about little children, the perspective of a child. And point number two, he next talks about the young men, and I call this the progress in conquering, the progress in conquering, all right? Verse 13, about halfway through, it says, I run to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Wow, that sounds good. And then at the end of verse 14, I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. All right, guys, so growth in the family. Listen, you're in the family. You're saved. You are in the family once and for all. But we start out as little children. We have that perspective of a child. We're saved, and we know who our father is. We know that God did it to us, but that's all we know at that point. When you become a young man, you say, how do I know if I'm, we could call still a baby Christian or if I'm starting to progress to this second level of being a young man spiritually? 
How do I know this? Well, I think he gets into this in these uh, two clips of these verses. When he says, you've overcome the wicked one, and then you're strong, the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Hey, guys, this is what we desire from you right now. Right now, listen, you're teenagers now, you're into this class now, it's not junior boys. Listen, we have some fun, but we're not candy and prizes and all that stuff. We do that a little bit, but we on purpose have things more serious and more intense in this class. You know why? Because the attacks against teenagers become more intense as you get older. The progress in conquering. So how do I know if I'm here? How do I know or how can I get there if I'm not yet? I think this guy has to be diligent. You know what? I think he's heard all this stuff for so long, Kevin, but he starts to take it seriously. He starts to let it sink in. He starts to take it to heart like we preached about before, but he starts to work at it. He starts to put some effort in. He starts to study these things for himself because at the end of verse 14, he says, you are strong and the word of God abideth in you. Guys, you will not grow from where you currently are without this. You got to get in the Bible and not just in church, more so out of church than just in church. Should you bring your Bible to church? Yeah. Absolutely. Because you shouldn't take my word or whoever the preacher's word uh, for what they're saying. You shouldn't take their word for it. You should yeah. check it out. Listen, I may preach something and it may sound great. You say, man, that's awesome. If it doesn't match up with what the Bible's saying, forget what I said and go with what the Bible says. Okay? It's not about how fancy we can say it. It's about does it match up with this. Okay? But... Should you bring your Bible to church? Absolutely, to check, check it out and learn for yourself. But, guys, listen, you need to be in your Bible much more this week when you're at home than just finding it on Sundays. And you should bring it to church. I'm all for that. But it shouldn't just be, oh, i got to find it. i got to take it to church, get out the door, and then get into church. i got my Bible. That's good. But you need to be living in this thing all week long. Right. All of us need to. Progress and conquering. All right, so how do we do this? We get diligent. We start working at it. Hey, guys, are there topics in the Bible you're unsure about? Have you ever thought about diving in yourself and starting to find out what they mean? Yeah. Well, as soon as pastor gives an 18-week series on my particular issue that I'm wondering about, maybe I'll figure it out. Guys, that may happen. They may not happen. But you know what? You can dive in at any point yourself and find out. This is the truth. This comes from God. Every word of it is perfect. But we've got to get into it. Guys, <laughs> the majority of Christians, I wish this weren't a true statement, but the majority of Christians are very lacking and very deficient in this book, in their knowledge of it, in their application of it. It's like they're starving and all of it's just laid out in front of them and they're not getting what they need. Why? Because they're not putting in the work to get what they need. Progress in conquering. They get diligent. They start to learn doctrine. The word of God abides in them. What does that mean? What does that mean when it's talking about it abides in us? Guys, it means to remain, to stay, to stand, to be held or kept. I think they start to grab a hold of some of these truths. They start to really fortify them in their own life and say, all right, I'm going to start doing something with this, George. I'm not just going to hear every week about, guys, people are going to hell and we need to do something about it. And I sit there saying, hmm, so sad. I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm going to start inviting my friends. I'm going to start going throughout my neighborhood. I'm going to start giving out tracts. I'm going to learn how to witness so I can tell my friends how to go to heaven. I think that's what it's talking about. I think, again, we just hammered on it. But, Kevin, the preachers can complain every week. Every week we talk about reading your Bible, but who does it? Doesn't it seem like enough people do it? Some guy needs to wake up and say, you know what? 
Maybe that will apply to everybody else. But as for me, I'm going to get in my Bible. I'm going to get serious Amen. about it. They're not going to have to push me and kick me and prod me to do it and remind me 50 times a day. Did you read your Bible? I'm going to get serious about it myself. Because, yeah. guys, the Christian life is not based off of your personality, your charisma, how strong you are, this or that. Uh, if you got the style and the swag and all this crazy stuff, it's not based off of that. It's based off of you getting in this book, finding out what it says, and using it in your life every day. Guys, that's success for a teenager. That's success for a 20-something-year-old. That's success for a 30-something-year-old, 40, and all the rest of it. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Progress in conquering. He gets diligent. He starts to learn doctrine. He starts to get the Word of God abiding in him. What does that mean? I think it means memorizing it, meditating on it, to really figure out all the implications of it, acting it out, applying it to your life. This man, this young man, listen, he's not a baby anymore. He's not a little child anymore. Listen, he's starting to develop. He's starting to grow. He's starting to become strong. Does that describe you? And I'm not talking about you going to the gym. I'm talking about spiritually. Are you getting stronger in the faith? Hey, guys, you know one aspect of a little child? Ephesians says uh, that we shouldn't be little children anymore, blown about with every wind of doctrine. Whatever's popular, we're blown over here and we're blown over there. Listen, you've seen them when the toddlers start walking. Man, somebody has to be right there watching them because you're like, every, every step is like, whoa! You're like, can we just stop? Just stay there. You know, like, don't move. Hey, guys, is that your Christian life throughout the week? All right, Ethan, I'll see you next Sunday at church. Hopefully I don't fall this week. Is that how your Christian life is? Guys, some people, it's like that. It's like they're walking on the cliff, the edge of the cliff. Every week, you're like, dude, come on. You got to start growing. You got to start getting serious. I'll, I'll play with the wrong friends, Kevin, but I think I can handle it. I'll mess with the wrong girls, but I can handle it. I'll, I'll hang around and have these bad influences in my life. I can do it. I can do it. Can't do it for long. Can't do it for long. Become a young man. Start to grow and, and, and develop and get strong. Bible talks about wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed, taking heed according to that word, taking it seriously. Bible says we should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That word dwell means to be at home. Is the word of God at home in your heart? What does that even mean? Is there something that's preached on that as soon as we even uh, uh, approach the topic that you start tensing up inside? You better not talk about that, Kevin. As soon as he talks about that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn him off. I'm not going to listen to another word. Does the word of God really have free course in your life? Yeah. Is it at home in your life? Guys, when you get at home, what does that mean? You're comfortable. Yeah. <sighs> right? Yeah. Relaxing. You can chill. You can relax. You can, you can uh, let everything go. Guys, is the word of God comfortable and at home in your heart? Hey, the Bible is very uh, simple about this. It talks about how um, Jesus gave that parable about the rock in the sand. They both heard what Jesus said. One did it. One obeyed it. And what did he do? He built his, his life on the rock. The storm came and he was strong. The other guy, he heard the same message. Guys, he wasn't out there selling drugs. He heard the same message. But he didn't do anything about it. And that's the person that builds their life on the same. Hey, guys, you may be in this room right now looking all religious. Amen, Brother Doc. <laughs> you may do all that. 
but your reaction to it, what you do with it when you leave here, determines whether you're building your life on the rock, which is Jesus and his word, or you're building your life on the sand, which is what's popular in this world. Yeah. And let me teach you, what's popular in this world today will probably not be tomorrow. Right. It changes all the time. He's diligent. He learns doctrine. He begins to do what the Bible says. Guys, the Bible says be doers of the word, not hearers only. You hear that all the time, but have you done anything with it? He begins to do something with it. I'll throw these couple passages. This is James 1, and then I'm going to hit Hebrews chapter 5. Listen to these. I just want to hit some of this real quick. The passage, James 1, talks about be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way straightway, forgetteth what manner of man he was. He checks out the mirror. He has a problem, but he doesn't stay there long enough to uh, address the problem. He just says, yeah, yeah, I'm good, and walks out the door looking stupid all day. Paraphrase. All right, you got to work with me. The next verse, though, says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, and this is the key part for me, continueth therein. What that means is he looks into the Bible, which is represented like a mirror here. He sees God reveals an issue to him, George. He stays there long enough to get it fixed. He continues therein. He continues there, and he's saying, God, you got to help me with this. God, you got to help me overcome this. Says he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deep guys. Are you a doer of the work or are you a forgetful hearer? Huh. Kevin, some guys could repeat back the sermon to me and know it inside and out, but you do nothing with it the entire week. Yeah. Guys, it's not about whether you can memorize the routine and the words that I'm uh, presenting to you right now. It's whether it changes our lives Monday through Saturday. Right. Hebrews 5 talks about this. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. You're those that have need of milk and not of strong meat. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, baby Christian. But strong meat belongeth to him that is of full age. Even those who by reason of use, catch that, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I believe that presents two sides of it. One guy, he continues therein and he does the work and he's blessed you want god to bless you do what he says right. but this guy this group of people it says dating for the time they ought to be teachers they've been in church long enough that they should be teaching others it says you have to teach them the basics again mm. why is that because they haven't used what they've learned supposedly yeah. learned guys i've seen this i've seen this happen right we've had guys they've come for years they've sat in this class for years they've heard the same preaching you have they do nothing with it. Years down the line, you're like, dude, can you explain to me about this or that? They don't, they can't even give you the first sentence of it. Like, dude, how have you been sitting here for all this time and you still don't get it? You should be teaching others. It's because they haven't used what they've taken in. Pro progress in conquering. Hey guys, start to experience the truths of the word of God in a victorious Christian life. That's when you begin to develop, grow, and mature. Like this verse says, you become strong. Young man, are you starting to become strong spiritually? Are you starting to use these things in your life on a daily basis? And that's, guys, when you start to defeat the wicked one. The wicked one is referring to the devil. Guys, we should have victory over the devil in our lives. How do we do it? By learning the truth and applying it to our lives. Every day. You start to develop and you begin to defeat 
the wicked one. The Bible says, um, sin shall not have dominion over you. The Bible talks about thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I want to win this battle on a daily basis, right? So what do I need to do? If I want to be, if I'm right now a baby Christian and I want to become a, a young man and start to become strong and have the word of God abiding in me and start getting victory in my Christian life, not always being defeated and pounded down, but start to have victory, what do I do? I need to get diligent. I need to start learning doctrine. I need to start doing something about it. That's when I'll start to develop and start defeating the enemy. That's what it's all about right there. Hey, so we've covered two groups out of the three. Are you still a baby Christian? You're saved and you know God did it for you, but that's still where you are? Or have you developed to the next step and you say, all right, I'm going to start taking what God says seriously. I'm going to start having it uh, uh, inconvenience my life sometimes. Hey, guys, just to clarify, if God gets on your music, then some of your music needs to go. Yeah. Right? right? If God gets on what you watch on TV and it's not pleasing to him, that stuff needs to go. Right. Can I tell you that can be inconvenient? That can that can kind of hem in on, on who you are and what you like. But listen, it's about what pleases him. You say, I don't know if I can handle that. Are you a young man spiritually? Hmm. Have you started pro to progress in conquering? And then let's deal with the last one. Point number three, the passionate connection. He talks about fathers at the beginning of verse 13. I write to you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. And verse, the beginning of verse 14 is basically the same statement word for word, so I won't read it again. The passionate connection. All right, so how does a, a Christian, again, these are only Christians. These are only people in God's family. How does a person go from a baby Christian to a young man and then to a father? Guys, I think it's about this passionate connection. It says, I run to you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. If I could say, first of all, I think this guy, this father, he has pondered things more comprehensively. The young man, he starts to learn what the word of God says and he starts to apply it to his life. He says, oh, God wants me to be faithful to church. All right, I'm going to start doing that, Hebrews 10, 25. God wants me to start tithing, Malachi 3. I'm going to start doing that. All right, God wants me to be a soul winner. I'm going to put some tracks in my pocket. I'm going to start doing that. God wants me to have a good attitude, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and all that. I'm going to start doing that. He starts applying it to his life. But can I tell you, when it's talking about the fathers have known him who is from the beginning, I think, Kevin, they're not just, I'm not against the stage two, don't get me wrong. But I think this takes it to the next level. They're learning about who God is personally. They're starting to ponder all the things that God has done in his word. They're starting to learn this and think deeply. It says uh, they've known him that is from the beginning. They know about the attributes of God. They know about who God is. They know about these deep things of God. This doesn't make them better. It just makes them more developed. You following me? And by the way, guys, let me say this. When you become a spiritual father, that does not mean that you boss people around now. Bless God, I'm a spiritual father. You better set down, button. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. It's not that you boss people around. You're the big man on campus, or you can impress people. It has nothing to do with any of it. I think you've started to ponder these things comprehensively. You want to know God. Listen, stage two is you're starting to learn these things and apply them, which is hugely important. But stage three, you want to know God personally, deeply. You want him, you crave for him to be pleased by your life. Can I also say about these fathers, they have to be pretty consistent. Guys, listen, we're almost done, guys. I need you to stick with me, though. I think for these guys to be spiritual fathers, there has to be stability, maturity. They have to be established. They have to be fixed. Psalm 112, verse 7 says, my heart is fixed 
trusting in the Lord. The picture I get, Jamal, is like you have a pole that's planted down in the ground. It's not going anywhere. Hey, guys, is that you? Are you strong? Are you established? Are you fixed? Have you been through some battles? You say, I'm a teenager. Can I be a spiritual father? I believe you can. I believe you can. Have you been through some battles and you stuck it out? You haven't, you haven't wavered. You haven't wimped out, but you stuck it out and you stayed there with God and God's brought you through that. Do you have that? Do I have that? Guys, is it when all your friends turn their back on serving God that you go with them? Can I tell you, you're not a spiritual father if that's the case. Yeah. I'm not saying you're perfect, but I am saying you've stuck with it. You're stable and mature. And what else about fathers? Hey, guys, it, it, we know this in the physical realm. You're not a father unless you produce children, right? right? I think the same thing applies here. He's pondered things more com comprehensively. He's pretty consistent, and he's produced children. What does that mean? I believe he's led others to birth in Christ. He's a soul winner. Have you ever led someone else to the Lord? You've opened the Bible, showed them how they can be saved. Guys, I believe that's a vital part of being a spiritual father. Yep. Paul says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4.15, Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. What is he saying? He's saying to that church... He's saying you may have 10,000 people help you out, and we need it, right? We need investors. We need helpers. We need instructors, teachers, mentors. But he says you don't have a bunch of fathers. You have one spiritual father, and he says that's me because I came and preached the gospel to you, and you got saved. Hey, guys, are you a spiritual father to someone else? And let me take it a step further. You may not have led them to Christ, but I believe you can have a, we can say like a role model kind of thing spiritually that you can bring them along, that you can put your arm around them, take them under your wing, and lead them along. Hey, Timothy wasn't saved under Paul's ministry. He was saved because of his, his mom and his grandmom's influence. But we know, it's obvious, I don't even need to say this, Timothy's life was hugely impacted positively. Why? Because of Paul. And he called him his son in the faith. Although, Jamal, I don't believe he actually led him to the Lord. Personally, I could be wrong about that. But he produces children. Guys, he says, First uh, Thessalonians, he says, when I came to your church, I exhorted you, comforted you, and charged you, everyone as a father doth his children. Guys, there's a special relationship there. Do you, Guys, are you serious about getting the gospel to people, seeing them get saved, and then when they get saved, you're trying to help them along? That's it. And what does a father do after he produces those children? He prioritizes their care. He prioritizes their care. You know what? He's concerned about their welfare. He's worried about them. He's responsible to care for them. Hey, guys, we're winding this down, this message down, but who do you pray for? Who do you talk to and try to encourage? Who do you help? Who do you disciple? Who do you give advice to? Who do you have wisdom that you pass along to? Guys, can I tell you, we need each one of these stages in the church. We need baby Christians that we're helping. We need people not just staying as baby Christians, but going to young men and starting to develop, starting to get strong, starting to mature, starting to experience some victory in their lives. But can I tell you, we need spiritual fathers that have been through some battles, that have been through some struggles. They've stuck it out. Listen, they've led other people to the Lord. They care about those people. They pray about those people, for those people. And they're trying to bring them along in the faith. Guys, we need each stage. They're all vital. And guys, the last thing about this, 
I believe this father has a personal communion with God. Both times it says, um, these fathers have known him that is from the beginning. It's talking about God. But I believe when it's talking about know here, it's talking about they've experienced God. It's when Paul says in uh, Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. He's not saying, I don't know anything about God. Can you teach me? Oh, God's the creator. Oh, no. He's saying, I don't want to know him personally. Hey, guys, a lot of us know about athletes, but you don't know the athlete. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest about it. You're like, no, dude, I know all his stats. You know, I know what shoe he's wearing today, right now. You know, like, that's a little weird. All right. You say, no, I know him. No, if you met him in person, you'd be like, hello, sir. And you wouldn't know what to say after that. You're like, uh, 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 I'm your biggest fan. You're like, oh, this guy's like, oh, my goodness, get out of here, you know? You don't know him personally. You know all about him. And guys, let it not just be that we know all about God. Let's know him personally. How do you do that? Having an intimate relationship with him one-on-one. You've experienced that I may know him, that uh, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I believe this father has spent a lot of time in that secret place like the Bible talks about, and he's, he's dwelling in the presence of the Most High. He's experienced him. He's trusted him and relied on him, depend on him, and God's proven himself to him. He's come through things over and over and over with God's help. You've seen that he never fails you. You don't just know about God. You know him personally, and that God is the one that's led you through some valleys in your life. Hey, guys. So, where are you today? Hey, guys. If you're saved, you're in the family. That's awesome. Once and for all, you will never get out of the family once you're in, right? But guys, my question to you and my challenge to you today is this. Are you growing in the family? Are you a baby Christian? Are you a little child? Hey, guys, that's an important step. You need to know you're saved. You need to know that God did it for you, and you need to be sure of that. But can I tell you, we don't want you to stay there. Bruce, we don't want you to stay there. We want you to become a spiritual young man. We want you to get to the second level. You start taking seriously the word of God and say, I'm going to start applying this to my life. And you start getting victory. Guys, don't you want to experience victory in your Christian life? You can overcome sin. You can overcome temptation. You can overcome the devil's tactics and threats against you. You can do that. I can do that. But how do we do it? With the word of God. How did Jesus defeat Satan, right? On this temptation? It is written. It is written. It is written. With the word of God. But guys, even there, it shouldn't stop there. And by the way, I think from each one of these groups, there's elements that we still need in our lives. Yeah. It's not like when you become a father, you throw out all the things from being a young man and being a little child. You still need to know you're saved, right? You still need to know who your father is. You still need to uh, have the word of God abiding in you and you need to get victory. But guys, we want you to grow to this last level where you know God personally and intimately. You experience him. You see his working in your life. Are you consistent? Are you producing children and soul winning? Are you prioritizing their care? Hey, guys, are there certain people when they don't show up to church, it bothers you? Mm-hmm. Or is it just like, no, I'm here. I just care about me. Hey, I understand that you need to get what you need. I get that. But do you care if other people don't show up? You're like, Man, where is he? I'm worried about this guy. He's veering off. Jamal, he's veering off. We've seen this happen a lot. Man, I'm getting worried about this guy. That's a good sign. That's a good sign if so. Hey, guys. You're in the family. Praise God. You can never fall out. But are you growing in the family? It's needed. It's needed. Listen, you may be a little child in here today. That's good. That's good. But you need to grow. Are you a young man spiritually? Man, I'm becoming strong. I'm starting to learn things. I'm starting to see things happen. I'm starting to learn these things and have my life change as a result. That's awesome. 
It's wonderful. Guys, are you becoming a spiritual father? Are you a soul winner? Do you care about them? Are you helping them along the way? And do you know God personally, intimately for yourself? Have you been through some battles and seen God bring you through? Guys, we need more. We need all three groups. But can I tell you, we need more spiritual young men. We need more spiritual fathers that care about those around them. We need all these things. But again, my challenge to you today is, are you growing in the family? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness to us. God, help us to take.